comforting. It was soothing. It, it, there was something about it that filled in a gap and emptiness. And that was true for me too. Um, yeah. When I first was exposed to pornography and first horrified by it and sort of disgusted by it. But at the same time, at the same time, I had this, all oh, this intrigue as well. And nobody should have the right to tell you that, you know, the way you struggle isn't mm. appropriate um, for your gender because the way we struggle is um, the way we struggle and you are you are the woman that you are there's a way in which young women young girls are being molded and formed in yeah. our society to be as sexually aggressive as men to be as wired visually as men the majority of my temptation was what was happening in my mind the, that I had, a, I basically disagreed with God about the nature of my temptation. And so in my disagreement with God, right. I wasn't, wasn't turning to God or his truth for my answer. I was settling uh, in another land. To understand that so much of my own brokenness and my own sin and my own pursuits for wholeness of some sort not all of it but so much of that was rooted in my broken understanding of what it of what masculinity was it's not about shouting at the darkness it's not about um you know convincing people that they're in deception but actually teaching for me teaching believers who are coming behind that what deception looks like and how to walk in freedom that's the more for me. Yes. If I do that until my dying day, if I if I see other people walk in greater freedom, then then mm -hmm. I've fulfilled my purpose, I think. Thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable. And it also reminds me, I want to ask you this question. It reminds me of um, hearing the story of Crystal uh, Renault Day. She's become a friend of ours. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's the founder of She Recovery. And her story was getting hooked on pornography at the age of 10 um, it, by a, uh, pornography that her brother had in his bathroom. And, and so that began at age 10, that began the first experience. And I think she experienced it very similarly to you and that it was comforting. It was soothing. It, it, there was something about it that filled in a gap and emptiness. And that was true for me too. Um, yeah. when I first was exposed to pornography and first horrified by it and sort of disgusted by it, but at the same time, at the same time had this, all this intrigue as well. And, and, uh, so, um, what would you, when, when you got, um, hooked on that, and then she also talks about the idea that of hearing a message about pornography from her pastor, but it, it only had to do with men. Like it was just the, the, the implied message. You heard it very clearly, sadly, um, from the youth pastor, that girls just don't struggle with this, but the implied message to her was also very strong. And, and she took it similarly yeah. is that, oh, this is supposed to be a men's issue. This isn't, or a dude's issue. This isn't, this isn't something a girl should be wrestling with. And so it drove the shame. Uh, it produced great shame. It drove the issue even deeper. What, what would you, so for any women listening to us or, um, that, that would, that would be wrestling themselves or feeling the, the weight and the shame about either where they're currently at, or maybe where they once were at, what are your, your thoughts about, um, giving them some, some hope and encouragement yeah. in this, uh, on this issue the, of pornography and masturbation? My sexual first thought sin for is women. like, nobody should have the right to tell you that that you know the way you struggle isn't appropriate um for your gender because the way we struggle is um the way we struggle and you are you are the woman that you are <laughs> so that that reality of somebody mm -hmm. coming along and pronouncing right um you know a, a a statement like that, like, you know, this isn't what women deal with. It's like, well, that's now you have me as a witness and you just uh, brought into the record mm -hmm. Crystal's story. In fact, 
women do deal with it. Um, and if we just go back a few years, there, this, um, there was a book that came out that, that women began to read and talk about openly called Fifty Shades of Grey. And I was, I was surrounded by yes. good women, church women, um, women in my beauty shop, women in the store talking about this book. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I began to share with the women. That's right. It's like, you know, you, you're reading erotica. And um, what, what you're doing is you're letting your mm-hmm. mind and your heart and your emotions to sympathize with this guy. Um, that his abuse is really justifiable. It, it's creating mm-hmm. a situation where you're, you're sympathizing with their situation and you are being seduced. And, um, when mm-hmm. I was telling good Christian women that, yeah. women who would have never said that they were sexually addicted, women who would have never said that there was an issue, when I said you're being seduced, they said it's really harmless. And I said, Does, are you being aroused by what you're reading? And they said, yes. And I said, mm. you're, you are, you're outside of your marriage or outside of even your covenant with the Lord right now because you're, you're ingesting something that is driving you. Mm-hmm. And then I, at that point, though, for me, I was looking, I was like, oh, oh yeah. So this is something that women deal with. Um, I also know that um, the novels that I was reading in yes. high school were full of this material and it wasn't being written for men. It, it was erotic. It was being written for women. So the thing that was different mm-hmm. at that time is that most pornography right. was aimed at men, but some pornography wasn't aimed at men. And it didn't matter for me. I mean, it was just whatever I found. But, um, but in fact, you know, we had we had introduced into the culture even swinger culture, and people people swapping partners and all of that. Men would have thought weren't typical of yeah. women. Um, fast fast forward um, in our current world mm-hmm. with right superheroes and television. I think women are dealing a lot with overt depictions of women engaging in romance, um, even with our superhero type stuff. And I have close people who said, well, that's really targeting men. I said, no, I don't think so. I think there's a lot of women like me who, who would enjoy mm. this type, this genre I, th- I think it's a free for all and it's safer for, for most heterosexual people. It's safer to see women engaged in this way than men. So it's, it's predominant everywhere. It's, it's all over the place. So I would say, mm-hmm. yeah, um, it is typical. And rather than be ashamed, you know, I would say be empowered that it's a solvable problem as well that what what we want or what we're enticed by um things that we're still resolving like i'm i still cannot master the food issue but even though i can master it and even though some people will come along and say well Mm. you know that should be a reason for shame i'm just thinking in terms of possibility you know that there i've I've overcome here and i've overcome there why wouldn't i be able Mm -hmm. to overcome you know um, so yeah. I would, I would just say it's an invitation, right? It, right. It's an invitation to work on it, but mm-hmm. I don't think it should have a right to dictate some shame. Like you should yeah. be ashamed because of that. It's just, hum- it's our humanity Absolutely. battling back, I right. think. And when you mentioned shame, what I, what I think of, uh, two things, and I, just to clarify, 
and to ask you um, regarding the clarification. So I, yeah. I believe, so sin should produce a level of guilt, obviously, or um, or Andy would say, Living Waters would say, um, uh, healthy shame. Uh, I prefer the distinction between shame and guilt. So um, right. that sin, sin rightly should produce a sense of doing something wrong, whereas shame produces a sense of being wrong, like you uniquely, um, irreparably damaged in some way. And, uh, and so, but, but God's desire through the Holy spirit, through our conscience is to convict us of doing something wrong, which is guilt. And, um, and so the idea, when you mention um, something should not produce shame, it's not that the sinful action in and of itself shouldn't produce That's shame. Right. It's that yeah, the fact I that agree. women also struggle yeah. with this should not produce shame, right? A unique kind of shame. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, um, Another thing to add to to what we're talking about right now is that women need, I believe women need to understand that we live in a culture, especially today, where, and, and, and maybe, you know, who knows how many generations ago in certain, in certain cultures, this would be true too, but certainly we live in a culture today where, where at one time, and I think more naturally so, men are more wired visually women are more wired emotionally yeah. typically not that's there and that's not hard and fast only doesn't mean that women aren't wired visually but there's an emotional a strong and i think that's right. why women are often drawn toward erotica as opposed sure. to images historically now i know some guys that got caught up in erotica and they they actually um um that was kind of their preference but but ordinarily it's men getting caught up in visual pornography women were getting caught up in in erotica but the reality is um, that right. we live in a culture now that is so molding girls and young women to to constantly be aware of the physical, to constantly be aware of the visual uh, of themselves and others, and the you know the so called ideal, and which is which is really no ideal at all, but. There's a way in which young women, young girls are being molded and formed in yeah. our society to be as sexually aggressive as men, to be as wired visually as men. And so, and it's not just in those areas, but I think it's this kind of overall um, masculinizing of the feminine, the, the true feminine, and frankly, on the masculine side, there's this feminizing of the true masculine that seems to be really working. Uh, and, and, and I think it, it's spiritual for sure. It's a broken society trying to take on its, you know, create themselves in their own image as opposed to um, living in accordance and coming into uh, alignment with the image of God in us. But I think that's part of what we're seeing too, as, as younger and younger uh, populations of women tend to be more um, visually stimulated and as it, it quite honestly, oftentimes as much or sometimes even more so sexually aggressive so as men. I, I think what, that what's you, happened what are your thoughts about that idea? In little tiny steps. Um, I think people, it's, it's really overt to my generation. Now we yes. look back and go, well, how did this all happen? But, but, you know, because I've been paying attention since since I mm -hmm. came to the Lord, since I've been in this journey, you know, I, I think back to the unisex push, um, and, which is a word we're hardly even using at all. Uh, yes. And I remember, I remember, you know, men and women right. essentially cross-dressing right. um, items of clothing. And then, um, and then we feminize even ma masculine grooming. Uh, to remove hair um, from men, manscaping is super in. But mm -hmm. women have uh, have trended toward mm -hmm. boycott boycott hair, um, and you know it, it looks cute on some people, and others it just mm -hmm. looks hard. Um, the so we do we experiment and trends, mm -hmm. and but each time we're moving a little deeper with it. What I would yeah. say is everything from gaming to uh, media sources mm. to um, to dating apps. Um, you know, we've pushed forward. We've pushed forward that it's about sexuality rather than relating, and so it isn't about yeah. just same-sex things, uh, but women actually being active pursuers of heterosexual relating as well. Um, 
And so I, you know, I, I think oh, it, for sure. it hasn't yeah. suddenly happened. If we have an old, anyone older in the audience, it didn't just suddenly happen. It's been happening incrementally always. That's right. Um, what we allow now will be much more so soon. Uh, but, but in that, in that culture too, I think, yep. um, I think that we're afraid, like the thing that worries me, um, as I, even I serve in my church, I'm, I'm in full-time ministry working with people who are, uh, um, trying to overcome sexual mm-hmm. sin and relational sin. But I also serve my church and, um, in, in my church, you know, there's, there's a desire my church has to promote women also to minister. And I actually have to remind them, you cannot do that at the expense of not promoting men. We have to, we have to build a culture that allows men and women to achieve the full potential, uh, not not just secularly or religiously, but just like their gift, the gift of the masculine, the gift of the feminine. And I really, I just want to, mm-hmm. I want to say the thing that the Lord has done the most in me yes. through has been the good gift, not just of good women and building relationship with good mm-hmm. women, but it's the gift of men what they bring that's actually different and that I don't want to aspire. Mm. And I, I know this sounds weird, but like I, uh, I'm a new director of our organization and it, it doesn't, I don't want to lead like a man leads. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's the wrong thing to aspire to, but don't you know that that's right. tempting that I think I should, I wish, I wish that I could or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Everything does. Yeah. Well, every everything around you screams that, right? Everything in the culture yeah. uh, screams that this is how you should yeah, be leading be better, as a woman, to be, be a man, than basically, a man. It's like, or be better well, than a man. Wrong. I mean, in every way. You know the um, yep the God didn't mm-hmm. appoint a man in this season; it's a woman, and so like, what what does that mean for me? It means that I um I need to use my gift to promote mm-hmm. good men and good women to do bring their gifts and um, you know, I'm, I'm going to approach it probably more relational. I'll probably be more relational in, in that. I probably, uh, I'm probably more collaborative. I don't feel like a need mm-hmm. to lead like a, I don't know, lead from the front with the sword and, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not built like that, but um, right, right. But at the same time, you know, the, it's, entirely because of how I perceive that's distinctly mine as a woman that I, I synthesize, I bring in, I embrace. And this is something that Desert mm-hmm. Stream gave me a really good understanding of that that woman makes home in herself that she gathers in yes. and, yes. Uh, and understands it. Her intuition and her perception is relational and drawing close um, where sometimes men will like lead the charge. I have to find it this way. It's like, can I, can I lead, mm-hmm. um, without leaving home? <laughs> you know, can I lead without, uh, losing my priority mm-hmm. that my home is mm-hmm. my home is my priority. Can I, can I lead and not divorce myself from that? Do I have to, do I have to find all the compartments that men will be counseled about? You know, men should be more compartmentalized. Well, I mean, I need some of that. I need the gift of that, but I'm not compartmentalized. You know, my mind works with that differently. So I, I see yeah, how, right. how things relate to one another. And I think that's a mm-hmm. gift in the feminine. Um, but it also meant that my answer to my sin the answer to my yeah. struggle had to be resolved relationally as well. I needed to, uh, I needed to see those things for what they were that I'd mm-hmm. come to, I'd come to some wrong understanding. For example, I can't ask good adults for help. Um, you know, and I don't, 
there's there's something that the Lord is working on me right now that I I have a hard time asking the Lord for anything for me. I will ask I will ask the world for the people hmm. around me. But it is hard. It is hard uh, to come mm-hmm. from an intimate heart. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. I become very formal. And then, and then he shows me what I'm doing and then I relax a little. But it's this journey with him where I'm like, man, am I ever going to, am, yes. am I ever going to get, uh, mm-hmm. able, able to like stay in the loved <laughs> place? Yeah. Or am I always going to have to be reminded and brought back to it? And he's mm-hmm. not, he's not bothered by it, but I'm, I am bothered. You know, yes. Uh, and I think that's the feminine still trying to heal right. from that spirit of fear. Um, that false message I got way mm-hmm. back at seven. Well, and I, I love what you're talking about and, and the fact that you and I, and you know, my wife, Melissa, and I know Mark has been around living waters, um, some as well, your husband, but you've really been very much, um, saturated, uh, in, in both receiving as we did as well, but also in leadership as we are too. And, and the, the points you're making right now, I think are so critical and they're, they're pretty unique. I think from most of the podcasts that I've done in the past with people is that I, I so believe, I, I so recognize how God used living waters to, and, and desert stream ministries and the, and the teaching that he, he gave to Andy, um, that he's, he so used that to give me an understanding at, 39 years of age when I went to my very first Living Waters training that I had zero concept of prior to that. I mean, of of course, you know, I understand masculinity and, or I mean, I know the words masculinity and femininity. I know what they represent, you know, in bodily terms. I know that men are, men and women are different. You know, what is it? Men are from, um, women are from Venus and men are from our wherever. I mean, I know, I understand that there has been, that, that people have historically understood that there's lots of big differences between men and women, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, but to to have it to understand that so much of my own brokenness and my own sin and my own pursuits for wholeness of yeah. some sort which you which led to this downward spiral or going down the rabbit hole of you know often far away from the purposes of God or whatever so much of that not all of it but so much of that was rooted in my broken understanding of what it of what masculinity was uh what it wasn't that i you know that all other men i viewed as having an abundance of masculinity and i had this little mustard seed and i didn't see that as a valuable thing i saw that as a as a as a horrible thing i didn't see it i also didn't see it the capacity for it to really grow either and and as I've really leaned into living waters and desert stream over time and been, you know, in these environments, my goodness, the value of God's image in us is male and female and the distinctives of equal value, but distinct uh, revelations. Not that there's not crossover in some ways and all of that, of course, I mean, we're human, but, but there's, there is a distinct call on, on, uh, callings for women and there's distinct callings for men and ways. And I think more importantly, not even the, the, what we do so much as the way we live it out and, and, and a man trying to live out, um, what it, you know, for many years, I kind of lived out of this false feminine space and my identity as a gay man and is, um, not, not, being confused by transgenderism or thinking I'm a woman or any of that, but just leaning more into this kind of idolatry of the feminine, this over-identification with the feminine, that kind of thing. And, um, and, but just hearing what you're saying about femininity just reminds me of how little I've experienced as I've traveled the country, as I was a pastor for 12 years as well, and how little I've seen in the church 
of the revelation of the wonder and the beauty and the glory that we get to aspire to as men and women made in the image of God. And rather than trying to be the other or put the other down, um, I think men have spent so much time with a thumb on women, you know, or, or just seeing them as less than historically, certainly. And now, you know, and, and then feminism, certainly third wave feminism kind of rising up and, and, and taking on this persona of, you know, a woman needs a, a man like a, like a fish needs a bicycle uh, statement. I think it was Gail Dines that said that. And, uh, but this, this worthlessness of masculinity and this disconnection um, from one another, it's been such a war. And yet when we come into congruence with God, when we come into congruence with how right. he's made us and, and that yeah. it's a good and glorious and beautiful thing, we can really bless the other. And it, just what you're talking about, this value of men, as I, this, when we were praying and I was just praying for our time together and, ble and blessing God for you and our friendship yeah. with you and Mark, there's there it's always a joy it's not just that it's not just a joy because of your person which is true but it's always a joy to get together with you and spend time with uh, our families spend time together because there's there's such a a good and wholesome sense through living waters and what god's done in our lives of of that yeah. of the of the glory and the strength of living in the goodness of who god made us to be as male and female uh, drives me, I think a little bit is, um, I try, mm. I, I've never spoken to your sons like they were kids, even though they were now they're a little less so, but I looked at, I looked at a chance to honor the right. masculine in mm -hmm. these guys that you're raising. And, um, for, for me mm -hmm. to honor the masculine in my yes. husband, rather than, uh, Rather mm -hmm. than attribute anything that he might struggle with to a less manly category, it's like um, he's he's more emotional than I am. I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm on a very even keel most of the time, um, and he's more emotional. He's he's mm -hmm. got a lot of intensity. Um, he feels things really deeply, and it's like that is not feminine. Mm -hmm. That is, that is my husband, Mark. And, um, right. But he, you know, he's a fighter. Mm. Um, in, in, in our relationship, you know, learning how, uh, learning for me, learning how to not lead just because he has a time that he won't lead. I don't have to take over, um, which is not easy. Mm -hmm. uh, it requires patience, but, my default and I am patient. Right. So I think God put us together for that reason. On the other hand, you know, he mm. doesn't have to hold back. I'm, I'm strong enough. Mm. He made, God made me strong enough to be able to handle the full expression of who my husband is. And so neither of us have to put ourselves on the spectrum. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm not more masculine. He's not more feminine. Yeah. It's not a spectrum in that way, but his unique expression it, mm -hmm. of his masculine soul mm -hmm. looks a certain way. And my expression in my feminine soul looks a certain way. And so we've, we personally have done away with the spectrum and, um, yeah. and just said, this is, this is an expression of masculine soul and um, uh, removing that false label. Right. You know, like for me to not ever say ever again, I'm more like a man than a woman um, is, is helpful to me mm -hmm. to, to just embrace, to, to draw in all the ways that the Lord wants me to express in non-broken, in a non-broken way. Things, things in me that are broken would look like um, yeah. wrestling for dominance and control just because I'm insecure or because I am insecure <laughs> and uh, you know, mm -hmm. the, the need to lord over uh, <laughs> or be overactivated in and, and have to leave a feminine expression of who I am. So the more fear loses its grip, the more at liberty I am to just bring, bring the gift that I have my way yes. of seeing and to learn and to learn from my brothers 
their way of seeing. Um, and to bless it. Yeah. Yeah. And to bless the other, right? And too. Yeah. So to live in it, what a, what a joy. I, I wish that there was a way of describing what we're talking about in a way that someone who hasn't really been around, and I, I believe the police Spirit can do this, but hasn't really been around the kind of the world of living waters or whatever. There's such a joy and such a release um, and, a, and a calm. And it doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean it doesn't need to grow, but there's such a release and calm that can, that happens um, and, and, and a space that yeah. I now live in, like, I am so overjoyed to be the man that I am and the man that God's created me to be knowing that there's still lots of growth in those areas, but yeah. so overjoyed to, to live in that space in relationship to my wife and to bless her as a, as a feminine expression of the image of God and to see her strength and to see her excel um, yeah. you know, it's, and, and I don't do all of that perfectly to be sure, but it's, it's such a wonderful space to be in where we can, we can be calm and at ease and, and in touch with the, yeah, the solidity so and, the, and the strength of, of what God has put in us, um, that we can so easily offer that blessing, uh, to the other as well. And to, and to our own gender, to our friends, you know, for you, women, for me, other guys to, to offer that strength and that straightforward, um, affirmation of the good of who they are in made in God's image too. You know, if, yeah. if you're a Christian, I think it should be viewed as this is part of how we bring the kingdom of God with us, not, not just to the church, but how yes, right. uh, our world is so confused. And, um, and you know, we're cultivating confusion like it, like everything yes. should be questioned. Like the question that people have now is why aren't you questioning? Mm. You know, it isn't what it mm -hmm. seems, but, but when we bring right. the kingdom of God is always going to be in the spirit of truth and the spirit of wisdom the the spirit of counsel that we we're bringing some things to people that mm -hmm. um that they need to see they need to, they need an open witness of uh it isn't as we thought it was or it wasn't as i thought it was um i think for me i you know i've avoided in my testimony mm -hmm. calling it this but you know there there's a bible word for um for what i was experiencing and all that confusion the, the confusion I was experiencing is called deception. It's a Bible word. And, um, and there's another Bible word that was, yes. um, you know, explaining yeah. why I was struggling in moving forward. The, the Bible word is called unbelief. It's like when God puts in front of me an opportunity mm -hmm. um, to move forward and conquer a fear, if I pull back, and, and refuse to address the thing that's in front of me, the Bible would call that unbelief. And we don't want to do it. God has promised that more that we were talking about a while ago. Mm -hmm. There's a promise in front of me of that I haven't, I haven't yes. got it all in my pocket yet. There's promise of what I'm going to become. I don't know who I'm going to be in this next phase. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm starting to get older. I'm going to be replaced by uh, young testimonies. You know, I'm an old testimony. It's like, what, what is it? What mm -hmm. is there still yet for me to get hold of? And, um, you know, we need, we need to know that part of what I mm -hmm. need to get hold of is what, what's coming behind needs my care to care for these people who, um, whose perspective is different. Yes. Probably a lot of your listeners will be these people, but like the perspective of, um, what does it mean to be, mm -hmm. you know, alive in God? There's, there's something alive that has nothing to do with all these, even when we talk about identity, um, there's really only the identity, uh, well, tiny, tiny Bible teaching. Ephesians 5, it's so interesting because Paul in Ephesians is talking to mm -hmm. believers who, um, who have who have been succumbing to lesser desires, and and so he starts in Ephesians four and he's addressing this as being a lack mm -hmm. of love, really, yes. 
that love compels us to something else. But in Ephesians 5, he says, you know, why do you want to keep walking in darkness? Don't you know that you are children of light? Why do you want to keep walking mm. in as unwise people? Don't you know that you're, you have the wisdom of God? Don't, don't you know? And he's talking about trading off these identities that we mm. carry around um, that influence my speech, that influence my activity in life, that influence yeah. my journey, my relationship with others. And taking off that identity like clothing, taking off the false clothing and putting on a new clothing, a clothing mm -hmm. of a disciple of Jesus. And it's not to be a joy kill, but it's to get hold of the more that God has. That um, I'm supposed to be an influencer, yes. using current language, I'm supposed to be an influencer for, for life and for good. It's not about shouting at the darkness. It's not about... Um, you know, convincing people that they're in deception, mm -hmm. but actually teaching for me, teaching believers who are coming behind that what deception looks like and how to walk in freedom. Um, and so, I mean, that's the more for me. Yes. If I do that until my dying day, if I, if I see other people walk in greater freedom, then, then mm -hmm. I fulfilled my purpose. I think. You bring up a point that I think I, I, I don't want to, neglect to drill down on this a little bit. You, you rightly are talking about uh, our identity and this need that is really throughout scripture of, of taking off the, um, the various identities that the world is screaming right. all kinds of identities at us and uh, that we need to take ownership of those identities rather than acknowledging them as areas we struggle with or maybe um, sin bents or whatever. We, we n now we live in a world that would say, oh, if you have these desires and they're somewhat pervasive or e even I suppose if they're not, uh, just having the desires uh, are, are considered to be, or that's considered to be evidence and and significant evidence right. that uh, conclusive evidence right. that this is your identity or these, this cluster of things are your identity. And yet throughout scripture, as you're rightly saying, and out of um, Ephesians, and there's plenty of other examples, uh, this, this um, exchange, this taking off of, of the identity and putting on the identity of Christ, of, of putting on our true identity and who we actually are as sons and daughters of God and what that, and then he gives us the picture of what that actually looks like. What is it? And so we get to see, am I, right. am I functioning in my identity right. by the way that I'm living, by the way that I'm loving, by the way, you know, all the fruit of the spirit, for example, right. we get the contrast of what the fruit of the spirit looks like versus the deeds of the flesh, etc. And when we're living by the deeds of the flesh, we're really living out of a false, our old identity or a false identity. So when it comes to that, what I, what I was reminded of as you were sharing is how, and, and we've talked about this a time or two on some other podcasts, but how one of the core areas of identity that we're living in as a culture now is, of course, the LGBTQIA plus uh, acronym that there's all these different, you know, forms and types of ident identities and lots of different words that are being used to kind of fit within that acronym. But one of the things, so there's that, but one of the things that concerns me the most is that a lot of Christians, not all, but a lot of Christians will look at those and understand, yeah, that's not an identity that we're called into. And it's certainly not an identity we're called to live out. But the the one that I'm most concerned about, because I think there's a lot of deception, going back to a word that you mentioned, there's a lot of deception, there's a lot of unbelief, there's a lot of um, challenge to rather than to own like a gay a gay identity and marry that to our Christianity and to say well I'm not going to act on it but it's still my identity uh, or or that um, you know a bi a, a bi Christian identity a trans Christian identity a queer Christian identity a pan I mean whatever the words are that we that we we own right. that identity that if we were to act on would be sin and we hyphenate that to our Christianity and that becomes our label and our identity. I just, for all the reason you, reasons you just mentioned, I think it's important to just reiterate for our, for those listening or watching uh, the podcast that we've been called not to live by an identity that if we were to, to act on would be sin or to marry that identity because we have strong feelings about 
and strong pulls or direction uh, or pulls in that direction. Or even when for us, I mean, I went through uh, many years where I thought I, I identified as a gay man because it felt so intrinsically true. It felt true for as far back as I could remember. I no longer identify as a gay man because God did not create me in that to be that. No, And when, when I identify by my brokenness, whatever that's going to be, when I identify and I insist that that's a part of my core identity, um, even when I connected to my Christianity, I, f- I believe firmly that that puts right. a low ceiling of um, over right. my head of God's ability to really transform me because I'm holding on to that identity so tenaciously. What are your, and of course, this, this is um, the position of, of groups like Revoice, um, Preston Sprinkle would be a proponent of this, celibate gay Christianity, uh, or something, uh, it's also known as Side B um, uh, Christianity. And so all of that really fits within this broader rubric of so-called celibate gay Christianity. I'm going to own this identity, but I, but I can't, but I'm not going to act on it sexually. Um, which, which those two things I think are at constant war with each other too. But what are your, um, we haven't, I don't know that you and I've talked much about this, but what are your thoughts about that connected to what you're just sharing out of Ephesians as well? So a couple of things out of what you were just sharing that just stick to the stick to my mind um, is we're not we're not using mm. Bible language at that point. Now we're now we're talking about you know a secular interpretation of mm-hmm. something that the Bible calls temptation. Temptation um, for the Christian, yes is is meant to be confronted and dealt with um there is not a promise in scripture that we Mm -hmm. won't be tempted but it tells us that we can master that temptation Mm -hmm. um so in in james chapter one it says when you're tempted when you are tempted the that that win of mm-hmm. our experience that we will be if i start in verse 2 it says consider it joy my brothers when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing it's a testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance not let Mm -hmm. temptation let endurance have its perfect work that you might be perfect and entire lacking in nothing to me to me that passage says um well Mm -hmm. if i'm in the grip of my temptation then i'm not quite to the enduring stage that i'm learning how to endure that struggle and win not just make peace with it and say, well, I'm just going to struggle. That's not endurance. But but really endurance is to be able to bear mm-hmm. bear that load and push through. So um so when we are tempted, right. various trials. And so in Ephesians or in in James, it interchanges the word temptation, trial, and test. And and each one of them are expression of the same fight. The temptation, the trial, and the test um, are are expressions of the same fight. So the testing of my faith mm. is not the Lord. I, I really yes. don't believe it's the Lord coming and saying, I'm going to test your faith and see if it's really there. I think it's saying that the circumstance itself tests my faith. What am I going to believe? What am I going to believe about myself in this, what mm-hmm. am I going to believe about the nature of the struggle? Um, what am I going to do with that? So, um, I, right. as we learn how to be Jesus followers, I think, I think that we have to understand that, that the Holy Spirit himself wants to help us in our weakness. And that's in Romans, that's in Romans chapter eight. Specifically, it says he helps us with our weakness. When we don't know what to pray, he prays. It helps me to know that, mm-hmm. that the yes. Holy Spirit prays for me mm-hmm. also. Um, for me, I, 
I, mm. I recognized that the majority of my temptation was what was happening in my mind. The, that I had a, I basically disagreed with God about the nature of my temptation. And so in my disagreement with God, right. I wasn't, wasn't turning to God or his truth for my answer. I was settling, uh, in another land. Um, I was on one side. I was still hanging out in the wilderness of God, but not moving toward the promise to move forward. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that Bible imagery has always been helpful to a lot of us who, who, um, who have come out of this little other mm -hmm. land and we're going to a new land. This idea of, of the children of God making their way through the wilderness and being told before they ever left Egypt, yes, they were told that they had a land of promise before they ever left, before they were ever delivered, before Pharaoh let them go. Mm -hmm. There was a promise to them. But they, they hung out in the wilderness, the crazy in-between land, which is what I think side, side B is. It's the crazy in-between land that... Um, I don't want, mm -hmm. I don't want to fight what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm going to let my eyes and I'm, I know I'm so opinionated on this, but like, I'm going to just look at that guy in lust, but I'm not going to go and touch him. No, you know, I'm going to look at that gal and I'm going to, I'm going to lose mm -hmm. myself in her soul, but I'll, I'll never lay a hand on her sexually. And now, now I'm going to say that that's really noble. And mm -hmm. it is a higher calling of God, but it's still lust and desire that is outside mm -hmm. of the outside of the parameters of life and God. It's like I need to I need to reckon with my 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 lost condition. Now, I need to I need to say my mind is preoccupied mm -hmm. with things that are not from the Lord. I I'm indulging. Even if it's a micro indulgence, I'm indulging that over and over and over again. Every time I rest and wish that I could be married, but I can't, alas, you know, I need mm -hmm. to. So for me, um, you know, like when I purged my house yes. in my testimony earlier, when I purged my house of stuff, it was me reckon, reckoning with every reminder right. that would tie me. You know, and people people said to me, that's just crazy. Why would you have to get rid of that carousel horse or that calendar? It's like, well, mm. you know, it was tied to something else. And, um, you know, it caused me to remember. Right. Um, why did you quit going to that restaurant? Why did you quit walking? For mm -hmm. years, I didn't drive down a certain street in our city because it had too many memories. I just went around it. But I was actually taking my brain back, you know, this is the way, this is the right. way I've always thought. And I'm not going to keep thinking that way. Mm -hmm. um, and along, along that line, it's like, am I basically mm -hmm. disagreeing with the word of God or am I, or am I actually trying to conform the scriptures to agree with my struggle? Do I, do I, do I read it as an affirmation? Because God, if he, right. God had kept writing his Bible, he would have finally said, you're right. Uh, people can't change. Um, so you should, you should, you mm -hmm. should hyphenate your, your description of who you are. Um, if it's interesting too, you know, that hyphen, Christianity, yeah. one thing has to go before the other. And in the current discussion, my homosexuality goes in front of my Christianity. It's like, what's well, supposed to be the other way around. Um, it's mm -hmm. a hard one. You know, it's, I think it's significantly hard for mm -hmm. a 20 year old to say, yeah. um, Hey, you know, I feel this way. I find comfort. I Absolutely. find comfort in this gal. And, um, but I, I want to talk to Jesus about what he wants from me. Um, you know, and at work, I have, you know, situations where it's like, I don't want to ask him because I don't want him to tell me because 
or this one, I don't want to ask him because I know that if he talked to me, he would say, and, and it's, I don't think it's that way. Like he addressed the fear in me before he addressed the homosexuality in me. He, I mean, seriously, he did. He, mm-hmm. um, he right. addressed in my, in mm-hmm. the first few months of my Christian life, he addressed my feminism, not as being, uh, anti-woman or anti-God, but that I was basically rejecting a whole bunch of the feminine soul by my feminist point of view. Um, so, I, I don't think we know that he wants to get into mm-hmm. what we're thinking and and make changes. Um, I'm, I memorize scripture, I still do. Um, people are so resistant to that. It's so funny. It's like, man, it's just like Open your Bible and get the idea in your yep. head and then tell other people, I've been thinking about this mm-hmm. and you've already made steps toward memorizing. It's like, doesn't have to be, it mm-hmm. doesn't even have to be word perfect. Get the truth in there. Um, right. Let it begin to influence your thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And well, and along that line, I'm even thinking um, I, I've often thought on the passage um when when god is confronting cain um and about his you know downcast appearance and you know if you do not do well will you not will not your countenance yeah. be lifted up etc and he goes on and says that sin is crouching at the door um the the new american standard version uh bible says sin is crouching at the door others say like right. lying at the door i like that imagery of crouching that that sin is ready to spring and and as you were talking about our, our discussion here about this, about side B Christianity or about um, so-called syllabic gay Christianity, those are interchangeable phrases, terms um, that to me is, as you were talking, I'm like, you know, yeah. uh, embracing an identity that if we were to act on would be sin, whatever that is. And connecting that to our Christianity is like opening up the door and inviting sin to come in and expecting sin to behave itself. Like I'm going to come on in and you can, you know, have, you know, free reign in our house. Don't, you know, don't tempt me to act on the sin supposedly, but, but you're my identity and, and I want, I want you here. But, and and so it's just, um, it's just crazy to me that again, we're going to celebrate and encourage um, people to embrace something that, that, could ultimately and often does. I mean, there's often people land in the celibate gay Christian world and space and they wind up beating Mr. Miss, Mr. Right, you know, same sex uh, relationship and or or they embrace uh, a queer identity or a trans identity or whatever. And, yeah. and after living in this space for a while and maybe operating technically not sinning by, with our bodies, with our minds, yes, right. but with our bodies eventually that becomes too exhausting. I mean, eventually for, for many that, that becomes exhausting and I want to be with this person more than just as a, as a friend or as a non-sexual committed partner. And, and because that always leads in that direction, that always intimacy is something that we, that we desire the more that we're with this person that we love and care about. So it really is such an, that particular category of side B celibate gay Christianity is such a, um, has such a massive yeah. fault line uh, in it for people. Again, it's all about the fault line is this idea that I'm going to embrace this identity, hold it close and um, that I somehow believe that it's not going to burn me, that I'm that I'm somehow not going to fall uh, into sexual sin in my mind or my body, even when I'm this close to the identity. You know, uh, and it, we're talking about it in terms of that side B stuff. But in fact, um, you know, I just think about I, I, do, I minister a lot to women um, and it's not uncommon for a woman mm-hmm. to say to me, well, I'm just a country girl. And it took me, it took me 20 years really to realize, Hey, do you know that every time you're saying that you're saying, I can't change. You're, you're, you're saying I am the way I am because I'm a country girl. Mm. And, um, similar, similar to me when I would say, mm-hmm. well, I'm, I'm more like my father's son, which was never mm-hmm. true. But I had mechanical aptitude. But every time I said that, 
um, I was tying myself to an, this, I am this yeah. in such a way that cannot change. But people change all the time. This is ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like, when, why do yes. we believe that our temptations yes. should I, define me? Uh, and and it, I think it's wrong. It's like, it's, yep. um, it's something that needs to be pulled down out of our thoughts mm -hmm. if it's keeping us from moving forward. And it's not a loving position as it's portrayed to be. Many people look at it as being like, oh, it's accommodating or it's nuanced or whatever. Um, it's and in, in, and in the short term, I can understand how people are deceived into believing that it's more loving. But if you if you take that short term and you extrapolate that out 5, 10, 15, 20 years and you look at the trajectory of how your how how your um, encouragement to embrace uh, this identity and somehow live in this this conflict really of these two different worlds uh, within the same person. Um, and again, we all struggle with sin. I'm not talking about that, but this identity thing. Think about the 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 long term results. Those the long term results are anything but loving uh, when we promote this idea of celibate gay Christianity. Or this idea of, as you're saying, of any kind of an identity that doesn't fit. Yes. And I mean, we're, yeah, we are basically just saying, I disagree. I disagree with the confrontation of the scriptures. I need to, I need to rethink these in a way that will agree with mm -hmm. me. I disagree. Um, this can't be, I feel this, this is the most, this is the yes. truest thing about me. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of that ardent desire mm -hmm. were where we, um, that we would even hunger or thirst for the change. It's like, why is it wrong? Why do we think it's strong, uh, excuse me, wrong to struggle against sin? Um, I think, I think we, we get deceived. I, I, I know a woman and this is, you know, not meant to be uh, going into another topic, but I know a woman who deals with, um, you know, she has, she's, she's bipolar and um, she made a decision mm -hmm. a long time ago that she, she would never want to change her circumstances. And so her mood widely, widely fluctuates and um, between absolute despair and energy despair, you know, and um, what she doesn't understand. Yes. Yes. Is that she's always working against herself all the time. She's, she actually has a condition that makes her even double-minded about her situation, her life. Well, when I, when I look over at mm -hmm. this struggle for most of us, that the idea that the presence of temptation or the temptable flesh that we have is the truest thing about me, that is very literally a double-minded view. That we say that we believe that Jesus, yes. the all-powerful, mm -hmm. and his indwelling spirit has no power ultimately to worship, uh, to, bring, to produce change in me. Mm -hmm. That there's, there's nothing that God gives me that's greater than me. That is a double-minded view. And I think that's why people walk away from the Lord after staying mm -hmm. in that gay Christian identity for a long time. I think people walk away and essentially say, I'm just going back to the party life. There's nothing right. for me here. It's like, well, there was nothing for you in the wilderness, mm -hmm. you know, but you know, you were meant for more. You know, mm -hmm. you were you were meant for more. And um yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people even stop their journey, you know. Um unfortunately I've known a lot of people who have who have moved out into the land of uh, marriage and difference, but quit reckoning with their own sin. And they've also fallen away. It's like, we, we do reckon with our sin, 
Mm-hmm. Um, some years ago, you know, somebody implied that uh, people don't change. Essentially, they don't change. And um, they used a false statistic when they said, and I, I, I no longer want yes. to dignify their journey, but it's a false statistic. You know, it's sort of like, you know. Um, right, right. Um, I'm going to throw out a number here that says, I just don't believe anymore that people change. Well, when when I stepped onto the mm-hmm. platform, and my husband, I think, would say the same thing. When we stepped out into this um, this plan to get married, um, you know, we br- each brought our history of struggles of various kinds to the table. And uh, there's been a pressure. Francis yep. Frangipane says it like this, that there's a pressure that marriage gave us. But she says, God, God put you in marriages to kill you, essentially. I mean, he says it kind of tongue in cheek, but what what happens is there there's a pressure that says, right. I am right. settling for something else. And and we might go back and forth on, well, and this is the way I want it. You know, um, I want it my way. I don't want to bother. I don't want to engage. Mm-hmm. But if if you're good-hearted people enough to say, well, no, I want to keep engaging. I want to keep working on this. That we're always going forward. It isn't that there's an absence of struggle, mm-hmm. but there is actually a lot of fruitfulness in life, even in the struggle. Like, um, you know, the the intimacy of our friendship. Yes. Yes. Is is stronger. We could have been friends forever, but the intimacy of our friendship is stronger in the struggle. The issues of you know. M- marriage and, and sexuality mm-hmm. and what what you do in relating maritally it's like um age tests that circumstances test that family circumstances test that physical issues test that it's like well are we still having to reckon with our sexuality well yeah not just not just my homosexuality issue mm-hmm. or my sexual addiction issue that comes up, you know, how it comes up is like, it, it occurs to me that I could go down that path. That's a temptation now. But do, do I go down that path? The answer is no, right. I don't go down that path. But it occurs to me sometimes that I could. That's the beginning of temptation. And in our in our in our marriage, it's mm-hmm. like we we have to encounter yes. you know what is it? We can either go toward each other or we can go away from each other. You know, and it's like well, it's okay, it's okay that we have to fight for that. Mm-hmm. Is it because I was is it because I was sexually broken that we have to fight for that, or is that just part of marriage? And I think everybody has mm-hmm. uh, everybody has their things right. that they work through. But, but, you know, this is how we work on things. So I want to agree with God that, um, I am a good gift to my husband. My husband is a good gift to me. Mm -hmm. Together, we're a good gift to the community and individually we are good for the community. Mm -hmm. We want to, we want to affect change and life be life giving to the people around us. And uh, we want to work together to those purposes. Um, even though I'm in, in a ministry of sexual redemption, my husband isn't. He's an insurance, and he's happy to be there. He does not want to do this full time. But in fact, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to minister together yep. in, in May in Mexico. <laughs> and um, that invitation came, and we said, well, we need to show mm. you just what we're made of. You know, this is where our weaknesses are. This is what we're like. You know, are you sure you want us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they said, no, that's exactly what we want. We need we need that honesty. We need that fruitful uh, discussion. Mm. Um, so, like, Wonderful. I, think, I think we don't want to settle into any false identity, even now. Like, I don't want to just say, well, I'm just too broken there to overcome. That's right. You know, this is, this is too much. God's done all this mm-hmm. for me, but I know that he won't right. help me here. That, that's false. And I don't, I don't want to mm-hmm. minister out of it. Um, I don't want to. Right. It is. I don't want to resist God because of it. 
you know, I want my mind to keep changing. And and my mind does keep changing. Yep. That's awesome. Laura Lee, thank you so much for all that you've shared with us. This has been um, so good, I think, for anyone watching, listening, you would agree that it's it's just helpful to hear this kind of honest, vulnerable conversation and dialogue back and forth. So I just want to, again, thank you, Laura Lee, for being here. And uh, one thing I'd like you to just to mention here at the end, how can people, uh, if, if you'd like them to be able to get in touch with you or to kind of know what you're about or what the ministry is that you're with, what's the information um, that you'd like to share with anybody um, out there right now? So our website is firststone, F-I-R-S-T, S-T-O-N-E dot org. Um, we have a contact page. That's a great way to get in contact. And actually out there, we have a lot of research resources, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of articles, videos, um, connections to other places as Truth and Love Network does right. and transforming congregations might too. But I just kind of, um, mm-hmm. I would just refer you to our webpage, firststone.org. Okay, wonderful. And um, I, so we're going to just wrap up here. Thank you, those who have tuned in and have watched or listened to this episode of the Love and Truth Network podcast. We certainly are happy to have um, broken this into two different parts. I think it's we don't want to edit it down too much. We There's good content here we want to put out there for you. So for those that have tuned in here to this uh, second part of our time here with uh, Laura Lee. Thanks for being a part of this and for tuning in. And we look forward to seeing you in a future podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this Love and Truth Network podcast. To listen to or watch future episodes, please check us out at loveandtruthnetwork.com forward slash podcast. Also, you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to seeing you in a future episode. 